Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Simon Coles. I'm really looking forward to today. Um, we're going to carry on the theme um, around living as a next steps lifestyle, living as a worshipper. Okay. So over the last few weeks, just to give a quick recap, there's been there's been there's been specific words around how you live in terms of uh, with your finances, how you come through difficult circumstances, what is the first fruits in your life and how you lead your life. And also the look, when Pastor, Pastor Clive came down last week or the week before about lordship in our homes. And today I'm going to try and bring some of that all together. It's supposed to be on relationships. I'm supposed to be preaching on how you live as a worshipper with your relationships. And I'm going to touch on some of that. Um, but the question I would ask you in all of these things, do you feel blessed today? Yes. Okay. So the answer I expected from you. But if I ask you a second question, do you feel blessed in every area of your life today? Don't need to answer. Some, we are a blessed people. We are a blessed people. In some areas, we might think yes. Some areas, we might not think no. But today is about God wanting to release you in the areas that maybe, if we're honest with ourselves, that we're finding challenging. It was interesting this morning, I purposely don't ever, when I was preaching last week in, in Crawley, um, Pastor Rohan basically just covered 50% of my message in, 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 in his prayer time when he was speaking out, and I thought, well, that's really difficult. How do you follow that um, in that? And obviously with Sharon, what she was saying, but God wants us to succeed in difficult circumstances, and he wants us to be a blessed people. So if you could just stand again, I just want to pray. Because it doesn't matter what I say to you today. It's about what the Holy Spirit, you respond to in your life. So Father, I just thank you for every person here today. I thank you for the fact that we are blessed. But I also thank you, Father, that you want to take us into ever-increasing blessing in our lives, Lord. I just welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come. Reveal who you are. Reveal your plan for us in a new way, for each one of us individually and corporately. But Lord, just, just reveal your Father heart for each one of us, the plan that you have for each one of us, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to, switch, going to go through quite a few Bible verses this morning. I haven't put them on the screen because um, I didn't think about doing that. I should have done really. Now I was thinking it would have made a good idea. But if you want to just turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew 4 verse 19. So where does the Christian walk begin? It's an interesting question. It's different for different people. I don't know about you. All, each of us, if we sat down and said where our Christian walk begin, would be completely different because we have different life, lives, different experiences, different times when, when Jesus entered into your life. Maybe you don't know Jesus yet, but, and, and you're on that walk to finding that point. And you'll look back and you'll think, well, I don't know where my, my, my actual walk began because I'm still on it at this point in time. That's okay. Relax. It's fine. God has got a plan for you and will get you to that place. But in Matthew 4, verse 19, it says this. One of the problems with getting old is, is you can't read this small NIV type Bible. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, come, well they weren't his disciples at that point, Jesus said to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew as they were casting a net into the lake, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Our job as 
Kevin and Sharon and I are, are very fortunate in that we get, we're employed to help you guys. That's our job. That's, what I, that's my job. When people come to me and say, I'm sorry to disturb you, well, you are, but actually that is the whole point of my, that is my, that is my role, that is our role. We're here to serve and help you on your, on your journey. And that's what we are called to do, to help people on a, on a journey. And in Kingdom Faith, we, we have a very, very simple, uh, what we call a discipleship pathway. So, and it follows exactly what Jesus said here. Number one is come. The first thing all of us need to do on our, on our walk with the Lord is, 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 is to know him and to follow him and to realise that he's real. He's not just a, um, something that we grew up in with a baby in a manger or something that happened at Easter, but I don't really understand how that fits with Easter eggs, which is a lot of my family have that, have that response. And where does Jesus fit into this? But he said, come, and we have to know him. Second thing, he said, follow him. And we're all doing that in terms of just following and just doing what he's, he's asking us to do. And then he says, I'll make you, make you fishers of men. And then he, he says, so there's make and fishers. So in our discipleship pathway, we've broken this down into four simple steps. First one, come, which is to know God. And that's when we talk about praying into things. We want people to know God. We want people in Burgess Hill and the surrounding areas to meet with God and know the reality of the life we have because that's what's going to change their, change their lives. So that's always going to be the most important thing. The second area is about followers, about finding freedom. And we all know that you go through a process. Maybe things have happened in your life that you've been through and, and, and you have to find freedom out of them. And God heals you, he restores and, and, and brings things back as if they were new in your life. And that's the way he is. The third area is, is where Jesus said, I'll make you fishers. Make you is discovering your purpose. Each one of us needs to discover our purpose, how it is and how, what God wants us to do what we're actually going to do with it. So we've, we, we know him, we follow him, but how are we going to, to, what is it you have for me? What is it specific? And it'll be different for each one of us. So there's no point in you trying to be like Kevin, because you're not, you won't ever be. There's no point in trying to have the ministry that Kevin has or Sharon has or, or whoever. You need to find out what God has for you, because it'll be unique for you. He has a, a predestined plan for you. And the fourth thing, is when Jesus says, fishers of men, is about making a difference. We want to make a difference in people's lives. So today is about good news. And I just want to share with you that, and just think about where you are in that process. Are, are you coming? Are you, are, you, are you following him? Are you still really pushing in to find out what your, what your purpose is? It was interesting, Sally and I had a conversation this morning over, the, over a cup of coffee where she was saying, God didn't reveal my purpose of my life until I was 45. Well, I'm not even, I'm, it may be a miracle to believe it, I'm not even 45 yet, okay? So that, that encouraged me this morning. I thought, well, at least God, I think I know what your purposes are, but they change. But I, I think with everybody here, we want to make a difference. We want to see Burgess Hill change. We want to see lives change. We want to see people reached where they're walking on going in their lives because we have a gift that we want to give them. It's not about us being right. It's about us, us wanting to introduce them to the power of what God can do in their life because he wants to save and set people free. So we are, you know, we are a church that wants to, that wants to see lives changed. 
So if you follow what Jesus said, he said to the disciples, you come, you follow me, and I'll show you how to change other people's lives, basically, is what it is, by introducing them to me. And that's the, that's the walk of where each one of us are on. That actually, we get born again, we get saved, we get set free, we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we move into a life of living for other people and seeing lives changed. So back to the first question. Do you think you are blessed? Are you a living in the fullness of his blessings? Just got a text from Phil Pooley, who's just about to get up on preaching Horsham for the first time. We have, you know, the congregation very, very nervous. Being actually preaching and standing in front of people is actually a very nerve-wracking thing. Not because I don't want you to think badly of me. I know what God's asked reveal to me what he wants to say to you and my biggest concern is am I going to get are you going to respond to what the Holy Spirit says to you because that's the only thing that really matters am I going to be able to convey God's love his heart his compassion the fact that he is so for you or is it going to come across in a way of you're not doing this or you should be doing that or you should be doing that because God doesn't act like that so God does not act like that God God is always for you he's your number one fan and we'll get things wrong and we'll get things right. But at the end of the day, he wants you to succeed in everything that you do. But when I was praying this week, I felt God talk to me in for a prophetic word. So I think this morning is going to be prophetic to you. If you don't know what prophecy is, prophecy is where God says something that he sees in your life in front of you that he's then going to come to pass. People say, oh, it's prophetic, it's all this mysterious thing. It's where God reveals what he has for you in the future. So sometimes when you'll be praying and God will say to you, that's going to happen, you think, flipping it, that's prophecy. It's where he's revealing something from the future into your life. And then it's about our response to what he says. And that theme's going to come up this morning. How we, we can't be responsible for what God does, but we are responsible for how we respond to what he says to us. So if you turn to Numbers 13, I'm going to read it to you. This is a very, very well-known bit of scripture. When I was praying this week, I felt God say to me to speak this over Burgess Hill. So in verse 2, this is where the Israelites are just about to cross into the promised land. And they've, they've had some interesting times with Moses already, to say the least. If you want to read it, it's very, it's very interesting how, when you read this, how culture and humans don't change. It's, you read this stuff and you think, oh, it's no, we think we're a very sophisticated um, culture where we are in the 21st century. But actually, human nature, when it comes down to it, is, are we happy? Are we being fed? Do we want to follow the leader or not? Which is, it has, it has repercussions today. Um, but in this piece of scripture, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So in verse 2, God had said to Moses, I am giving you this land. In verse 28, after they've been and had a look at the land, they come back and they give a report. And it says this. The land, they, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak 
I don't know what the descendants of Anak were, but I guess they were very scary. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jesuits, and Amorites live in the hill country. So they focused on the circumstances. So God said, I'm going to give you this land. But they, went into the, they went and had a look, but they didn't focus on what God said. They focused on what they saw and what the circumstances were. I think you probably get an idea where this message is going to go, don't you? But in verse 30, Caleb says this, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And I've been pondering on this the last few days. Was Caleb really, really a really good fighter? Did he fancy their chances? He thought he looked at the people around him and said, do you know what, we've got some good skills here. He's really good with a sword. We can go and take these. Or did he just believe what God said? Because actually Caleb was no different. You don't know different than any of the other guys, except he believed what God had said to them. So God had said to them, we're going to give you the land. The circumstances said these are all the challenges. And for Burgess Hill, God has said he wants to see this area changed. And these are the people in the room that are going to help move towards to do that. Is this place bursting out of the rafters? Is it where we believe God has the promises for us? No, it's not. But that doesn't change the word and the truth of what God has spoken over, over Burgess Hill as a congregation and over you guys as a people. And so often, if you look back at this, uh, the the the, the scriptures or the teachings, the first thing the devil does is challenge what God says. So maybe you're in a circumstance, I don't know your, your circumstances, but maybe God has said something to you or something has happened in your life and this is what you're believing for. But can you remember when, when, when the serpent spoke to um, Eve, the first thing he said is, did God really say you could eat that fruit? And the first thing the devil does is try and undermine the word of God in your life. Because the power comes in the response to the word, not in what we do. It's our obedience to what we do. So Caleb was different. He had a different spirit because he just believed what God had said to him. He, God said, I'm giving you the land. Go and take it. So sometimes we ask, well, how's that going to work? How's that going to work? Are these circumstances and how are we going to do it? So today, I want to try and break it down. We have two choices in our life. Are we going to believe and act accordingly? Because that's important. Because you can believe, but you've got to act accordingly. And we'll allow God to deliver. Are we going to not believe, try and make it happen ourselves, and look to ourselves for the answer? I don't know about you guys, but I don't like it when my plans don't come out the way that I wanted them to be. There's often in my life, the plans I put in front of me were very simple and they were, they were very, very, very straightforward and this is how it's going to go and this is going to do this and this and this. They never worked out how they were supposed them to be. I don't even know why, I don't know if anybody else resonates with anybody else. It never works out. Uh, but, but often it works out better than I thought it was going to be because of God's restoration things in my life in terms of where it goes through. So, turn with me to Jeremiah 29. It's a very, very, very well-known piece of scripture. We're going to rip through three pieces of scripture quite quickly. I just want to build on this because what I'm hoping now is the Holy Spirit is reminding you of things he said to you. Maybe last week, maybe five years ago, maybe ten years ago. And you focused on the circumstances rather than what he said. 
because at the end of the day, it only comes to pass when we step when we step out, when we take that step forward in faith of what he's doing and response to what he's saying. Because they could have taken the promised land if they'd have done what he asked. Because well, the, 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 the giants weren't any bigger when they came back 40 years later. They weren't any smaller either. So in Jeremiah 29, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I'm going to read that again. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and plans not to harm you. Do you believe God wants to prosper you? Do you believe God doesn't want to harm you? Okay. In Galatians 5. Let's go to switch to this one. I can remember that first bit, that Jeremiah, because it's a short piece of scripture. But I can't remember this piece. And I'd never seen this in here. Galatians 5, verse 1. We know this bit. We actually sang a song on it. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now the word in there is let. It's quite an important word. Do not let yourselves. So there's obviously a possibility that we could let ourselves be burdened again through a yoke of slavery. So that's Galatians 5 verse 1. There is a choice that we have to believe what he's saying and step out. Because Jesus came to set us free. We, we know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. And sometimes we get stuck in one of those stages in terms of whether we know God or not. And we find freedom. But actually, if we don't believe what God says to us, it's very hard if, if, if to move on to what he has for us. Because he wants us to realise that what he says to us is truth and how we're going to respond to it, respond to that. In John 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes to steal and rob, but I come so you have life and life to the full. Do you realise that the, the devil can't do anything about your salvation? If you're saved today, he can't rob you of your salvation. But he does want to mess it up in the sense of working out through that pan. He doesn't want, he, he doesn't want you to know God. He doesn't want you to find freedom. He doesn't want you to discover your purposes. He doesn't want you to make a difference. And he'll use different strategies in all that, that area. When you know God and you know and he's revealed himself to you, there's no question you're never going to disbelieve whether God is real or not. But actually, he may say things about you in terms of, well, you're not going to be valued. You can do nothing. There's no point even trying. Who are you to do all this stuff? And then when you take a step out like doing this, it's never going to work. It's not going to be like, did the Lord, did God say that? You aren't going to make a difference. All those lies. His plan is to lie, to, to rob, to steal. Because he does all, his job, what he wants to do is stop people going to heaven and having eternal life. He wants, to, he wants to stop people going from what's been taken away from him because he's never going to have that. But actually you have a choice to believe what, what God says to you or not. Why, and I'm going to ask you a question to think about. Why do we, well, for myself, why do I spend so much time looking at the circumstances and living by my feelings rather than what God has said and done? It's incredibly sobering thought, that. The amount of times, oh, you know, you go around in circles and stuff. But actually, if God has said it, if God has said it, who, who, who am I? Yeah, okay, who am I to, 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 to doubt what it is? And when he has said something to me, that response of faith 
in my life. And faith, what basically comes down to is, is are we going to believe what God has said or not? So for the guys in, um, when they were looking at going to the promised land with the with, with Caleb. Caleb was in a position of faith. He believed what God had said. The other ten didn't. So they decided not to go in. Which one? I like to think of myself as a Caleb man. That I'm a man of faith. I'm, a bit, I'm not so sure I always am. I, I, I could speak that for, my, for myself. In Romans 8, verse 31 for 30 to 35, I would like you to turn to that for me. Because this is quite a really, really important part because I want to just try and show you some things that can rob us from a position of faith, stop us from moving forward and a part of the devil's tactics just to try and equip us to understand how he, how he works. So in Romans 8 verse 31 to 35, 31 to 35, it says this, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Do you sometimes feel that you have charges brought against you? Maybe it's your mind. Maybe it's your circumstances. It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's an amazing bit of scripture that Jesus is stood there next to God interceding for us and where we're at. But I mean, it's just an amazing revelation that you actually think, Flip, that's where... That's where we're, that is the reality of where we are. And in that, in that verse, it talks about justification. So I just want just to unpack a very, very simple um, theological and doctrinal truth, if you're into those sort of things. What it basically means is, what, how does God operate and what does God want to happen in our lives? There's two things that go on in, um, that God does. There's a thing called justification. And there's a thing called sanctification. And just think about this for yourself. So justification is is what Jesus did for us on the cross that we accepted that justifies us to stand before God. When we stand before God and we worship, God isn't looking at uh, our sin. He's looking at the holy gift that Jesus gave for us through our acceptance of him on the cross. That is our justification and that enables us to stand where we are. It gives you your salvation. It enables us to stand before God and it breaks open that door. It, it reconciles us with God. It was a gift given by Jesus that we had nothing to do with. And that is one of the weirdest things about becoming a Christian. It's such a simple thing, the actual step into it, where we accept what Jesus did for us and then we, we, we move into that. The second part is sanctification. Okay? Sanctification is slightly different where we actually, is the, sanctification is the process we walk out in life where he refines, refines our character and changes us to be more like him. So if you like, justification is what starts us here where we know God and sanctification is how we walk on our life 
where we find freedom, we discover our purpose, and we make a difference. Now, sanctification is a process that we go through. And sometimes we get things right and we get things wrong. I don't know about you, but I don't live my life perfectly. However, there's nothing I can do, and this is one of the lies of the devil that he sows into our life. How poorly sanctified I am will never affect what Jesus did on the cross over here as my justification. All our walk started here with what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then we walk in the life that God wants to have it. But nothing I can do can undo what Jesus did for me. Nothing I can do. And that is the truth. And I live so for long in my life thinking, oh, well, I got that wrong, I got that wrong, I got that wrong. And I've sinned there. But Jesus' blood reconciles us to, to, to God. So therefore, the same way. In the same way, nothing that we can do in our walk, in being a Christian, can actually add to what Jesus did on the cross. So this is an instantaneous thing where Jesus set us free. And then we have to go on a process of walking. I don't know about you, but actually sometimes I really would hope this process would be instant like sanctification was. In the same way as, oh God, please come and change me for stop being angry or getting mad about things or being impatient. And God will say, well, you have a choice to make, Simon, on whether you want to be angry or you're going to allow me to change that in your life. This stuff doesn't become instant. Now, God does do instant things in our life where he heals and does stuff. But in terms of walking out our salvation and walking out that sanctification, we have to walk that out through our life. It's very, very clear. If you read some of Paul's letters, how he talks about the struggle of faith and how he has to battle and persevere and how he has to go through. So I would ask you the question, if it was the same for Paul that he had to walk out his sanctification, how is it going to be any different for you? I always believed or hoped that when I gave my life to Jesus, everything from that point on would be very easy. I don't know if you have that naive dream. Does it, does it work out that way? And sometimes I think it's because God didn't love me. And the Bible doesn't say God sent his only son to die for you so you would have a really, really nice life. And it'd be really, really easy. What he said is he gave his son for you so you'd have this justification. So we'd be in right standing with God. So it's as if what Jesus and God did for us would got us into the door. But how we work that out is in a response to what he says to us in our lives. Is this making sense? I'm just trying to... Dig. Sometimes we think that what goes on in our lives actually undoes his love for us. And it, I can't find that anywhere in the scripture. I can't find where it says that challenges show that, that we've done something wrong or God is mad with us. But we all, sometimes we think like that and it's a lie. And you need to be aware that the devil is trying to push back, push back in your lies so you don't move forward. And I was praying about this this week and I, I was like, Lord, it would just be nice if some of the challenges would be a little bit smaller. Why is it in life we have little bit why challenge is so big it's just so big and he took me to David and Goliath and he said these words to me why do you think I got David to defy defeat a nine foot man because if it had been a six foot man he'd have still been scared of nine foot men so he said to me so he was so Goliath was so it was such a ridiculously unstacked 
circumstances when you looked at the actual things that were going on because it was so it was a was he a young man wasn't david he couldn't even wear the armor because he was too small and he was fighting against a nine foot man it was it was just ridiculously there because it was not about what he could do it was about his response to what god is saying in his life so maybe you've got some nine foot circumstances nine foot challenges in front of you it's not but he's not wanted you to, well, we'll just raise the hurdle, we'll raise the hurdle. He wants, God wants you to respond to him because once you defeat the nine-foot man, you're not going to worry about the six-foot man. The other way around, it would be there. So sometimes circumstances in our life look to there because God wants to prove the reality of who he is in your life. It's not about whether you've got something right or you've got something wrong or are you hearing or not. Sometimes we just have to just, just hold on to what he's saying and move forward. In, where, in, in, in what he has for us. So maybe you've got nine foot troubles. It's a phrase I'm going to use because actually I've responded differently to the circumstances in my life. Because actually, if God has said it, it doesn't matter if they're six foot or nine foot. I'm the one who... Judges. What's a nine foot man compared to God? What's a nine foot man compared to the troubles or circumstances we have in our, our life compared to God? So... There's a few things that I just want to just want to talk about, and I want us to respond to God in 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 a minute, okay? That can hold us back in this working our life out as a worshiper. Maybe you have relationship challenges. Maybe you do. You struggle with people, and and there's unforgiveness in there. There are things that can hold us back. Maybe you have lack challenges. Maybe finances are, are difficult, and you've blessed. You hear about being a blessed life, and but maybe you feel, feel, don't feel that you are. Maybe you have sickness challenges. Maybe there's things going on in your body that actually will try and rob you from, 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 from this process. And I'm moving, keep moving, because I want you to realise that step one where we know God is about what he does. Then the other step's about how we move forward. But nothing can undo that. And so often, people, I've had people come to me in my office and say, so many things are going on in my life at the moment. I don't even know if God is real or if I'm saved anymore. And you're like, well... That's what the devil's plan is because he wants to undermine that first step of what Jesus did for each one of us. Maybe you're worn down and disappointed. Maybe it, the things you've been believing for haven't happened before, so you, why would it ever happen again? Maybe you, you, th you think you've drifted away from God or sin or something you've done has separated you from God. Bible is very clear. Nothing can, be, can separate you from the love of God. Nothing that we can do, if I can, what Jesus did for us was holy and it was, he said, it is finished when he died on the cross. It is finished. Nothing, our unholy acts can't make what Jesus did unholy. We can't back, there's nothing we can do that can make what he did unholy. But actually, should spur us forward to live in this walk that we need to go on not go well it doesn't really matter what I do because it does matter what we do because we still have to go back to repentance and actually we trip ourselves over if we live like that so the last few months for me have been quite difficult actually some things are going really 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 well and do you know what I feel really really blessed in them some things aren't and they're just hard work and it feels like you're banging your head against a brick wall and I'm going round and round in circles. But I know God has said, this is where you're going. This is what I've spoken. He spoke, he spoke first about the success of what he wanted to do. And then it all seemed to go wrong. 
I don't know if that resonates to anybody else from here. But if we go back to the story of Joseph, very, very well-known story, so well-known, even Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote a musical about it. I know because I took my kids and I can't remember seeing Elvis in the Bible, but Elvis was in that musical. If you've been to see it, it's the, one of the weirdest things when he comes out and does that. Does that. But if we look at the story of what Jesus, of what happened in Joseph's, Joseph's life, Joseph was the loved son. So he had a position of love, circumstances, was he was the favourite son. Maybe he was slightly arrogant. I don't know. But he had a dream where he would have all his brothers and family come and bow down to him. And do you know what? He had great fun telling his brothers and his father that they would all bow down to him because he was the loved son. He lived on his circumstances. But God had said to him, your family are going to bow down to him. Maybe in hindsight, it wasn't the best way of dealing with it. Anyway, he, as we see in later times, he, he heard and his attitude changed towards his family. But then, as soon as he had that, he was sold into slavery. So God said to Joseph, you're going to rule these people. Next minute, he's a slave. He's in a pit. He's been sold off to these people. Then, he gets raised up in Potiphar's house. And actually, Potiphar's house, at that point in time, in, in that kind of society, would have, he'd have held a really, really high position um, in terms of where he was at. And actually, he could have thought, you know what? God, your, prof your prophetic thing has come right for me in my life. I've reached where you wanted me to be. And then five minutes later, Potiphar's wife is asking him to do things he knows before God that he shouldn't do, and he stands up for his mind, and now he's back in prison again. I don't know about you, I might have given up at that point in time. But then, Pharaoh had a dream. And he, and, and, and he said... Who knows his thing? So this prisoner comes out and, and he, Joseph is positioned as the second most important person in that country. So when did the dream come true? When did the prophecy come true? It came true at that point when he's, his, his brothers, brothers came into the, the place. And okay, they, I don't really understand the bit with the hiding of the thing. I think it was to get his dad there more than, more than anything and his family there and all the brothers there because he wanted to see the, the prophetic things work out. But actually, what God said to him when he was a young boy turned out to be true. But how many times do we think that Joseph probably thought to himself, I may have got this wrong. I put it to you, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, these things that God has said over my life, all the promises he's given me. Uh, did, I hear, did I hear? Well, who says, did God, did God really say that? That's... that's that's the devil. If you, you know, when God says stuff, yeah, circumstances will go up and they will go down. But the word of God and the truth over our life is constant. God is constant. So in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, it says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So our present troubles are small. Is that me? Won't last very long, yet they produce. The troubles produce a glory. So how do you see your circumstances? Because if we go back to the scenario with the people in, in the promised land, the troubles of fighting with those people in that land 
would have produced the glory because they'd have seen how God was victorious. They actually saw when God was, how God was victorious in different aspects at different times through that period, um, through different ways, but they would have seen in that way. Maybe by overcoming the circumstances, God is going to prove to you the glory of who he is in your life. And then it goes on to say, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. In James 1 verse 4 it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. I find, that's, I find that verse on some days really, 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 really encouraging. Sometimes I find it really, really, really irritating because I want to justify my decisions. But actually, I know before anything that, that God is for me. And maybe today, maybe that might be the thing that's missing in your life, that, that, that you may have a picture of this God who, who is actually rewards in the way that we are, but he gave us everything that we need here. There's nothing more we can get. It was a full, it was a full gift of what Jesus did. He doesn't, as we walk, it's not like a computer game where as you pass the stages through life, he drops in extra things. You know, like you do in a computer games, you'll get like an upgrade on your car as you go through different stages. God doesn't work like that. He gave us everything at the point where it's there. We've just got to work out and how we obtain that from him. And it's normally as a response to what he is saying to us. So what are the promises over your life? What have you forgotten and what does God want to remind you of? We are more than conquerors. Somebody said that this morning, we had to say that to each other. We are more than conquerors. Maybe we think sometimes that's about slaughtering Goliath, that we have to beat the nine things. But maybe, maybe it might be about forgiveness for you. Maybe you need to forgive someone. The Goliath in your life is about forgiving someone. Maybe it's about believing what God says, irrespective of what the circumstances say to you. On Pastor Clive's video that he did in September, he talked about pushing through. And normally the biggest part of resistance on a piece of wood or anything is just at the point where it's about to break. Because it's the way it flicks you back and then it will snap. And maybe for some of you, you're right at that point and you're pushing and pushing and pushing and you think it's never going to happen. That's at the point where we just have to persevere and keep going forward in where we have. Sometimes the circumstances will change. Sometimes the circumstances don't change in my life. But actually, the way I feel about what's going on in my life completely changes when God's spoken to me about what he wants to do. But actually, the growth in our life happens in the time of challenge when we're pushing in, not in the times of rest. Maybe you've been in a season of rest and things have been really, really easy. Well, often I think when it's like that, brilliant, we're really motoring on with God, all these things are happening. Actually, sometimes in my mind I think, where is, that's where I think I'm closest to God. Actually, it's in the times of challenge where I'm the most close to God because I have to be, because I have to remember who's in charge in here. And it's not about what I can do, it's about what he can do. So what I want to do, I want the band to come up and play. Just play whatever in the background, just to take. I just want you, let's we'll all just stand. I hope there's something going on in your heart where there's things that you, that God is revealing to you that he wants to impart to you because he is so for you. He wants you 
to move forward. He wants to take the land, whether it be Burgess Hill or whether it's in your own life. Maybe there's things that, you're, that you've been struggling with. So we're just going to have the guys play in the background and just, just, just get before God and open up your heart and say, Lord, what is it you're wanting to, to reveal to me? What is it you're wanting to do? Because he wants you not to be a captive. Maybe you've, you, you've been set free and you've allowed circumstances to, to pull you back or, or you've believed the lies that, 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 that you can't do it or you're never g- going to do it. And God just wants to reveal who he is to you afresh today. Because it's our heart response. When God speaks into our lives, the debate finishes. Because what it, it's the faith response that changes us. It's our response to him that we, that we change. We can't, on this walk of walking out our salvation, make any of it happen. All we can do is be obedient to God step by step and he does it in our lives anyway. So maybe you gave up when it was hard. That's okay. Maybe you wanted to give up now. That's okay. God knows that. That's why I'm here today. And what? Because His Holy Spirit wants to, you to know it is fine. I restore you. I forgive you. It doesn't change. Let's just move together. So don't spend it. If you need to repent of things that you've that you've thought or you've done or decisions you made, that's fine. Don't don't make a big thing of repentance. Repentance is just accepting what He did and allowing His blood and his forgiveness to wash and purify you so you stand holy and justified in his presence. Maybe you think things have separated you from God. Maybe you think that because of because of what you did in your life that you're going to all you need to do is know him that you're not worthy of finding freedom or or making a difference or being fruitful and God using you. I'm here to tell you today that is God's plan for your life. That he wants to see you free so you can see other people set free and be fruitful. Our, if you like, our steps of becoming fruitful is helping other people come become fruitful and finding freedom and knowing God. That's just the, the walk of the Christian walk. That we're here to help others go forward. But actually, there's a lie. Maybe there's a lie of your life. We just break the power of that over your life now. That actually, God has a plan for you. The word ministry is often used. Is oh, what's your ministry or that? Ministry is just doing what God says to us. It's just responding to what it is and seeing other people's life. There's a ministry on your life. Maybe it looks like for you befriending your neighbour and being around there and just loving people. Maybe it looks like you're going to, down the line, go on massive crusades. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that you're obedient to what God says to your life. Maybe today you realise that you don't have a positive outlook on life. Because circumstances in your life, you may have had a really tough life. Only you and God know that. But God is for you. Things you can, God wants you to succeed in your life, you and him together. But maybe you haven't had, feel like you haven't had a lot of success in your life. But you have, because you, you, you've entered into the purpose 
for what God had for you. There's nothing more exciting than walking this journey out with God and how he's going to use you to see other people's lives around you changed. Do you believe that God has a purpose for you? Do you believe that God wants to see you succeed? He is your father. He sent Jesus to die for you. And he didn't, he would have done that if you were the only person alive. Maybe you don't even know Jesus today and you're thinking, what is that guy going on about? Well, trying to explain in the best way possible that Jesus died for you because he loved you and, and actually wants to restore the reason that you were created in the first place, that relationship. And it comes through from not what anything you can do, but about what Jesus did to reconcile that. Yes, after that we have to work that out but the first step is all about him that's why we focus on what Jesus did so Father I just pray Lord that you come as your Holy Spirit now and you would just reveal your loving heart for us so that you can spur us on to what you have for us today, tomorrow, reaching our neighbours, reaching our families, reaching people around us. Maybe we need to put things right in relationships. Father, I thank you, Lord, your blood and grace makes a way. But I thank you, Lord, that everybody who leaves today will know that you are for us. You have a plan for us. You want to see us succeed and be fruitful. Thank you, Lord, for just knowing your voice in a fresh way. So we, the band are going to sing and just respond in that song. If you want someone to to, 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 to pray with you one-to-one and agree, that, that's perfectly fine because sometimes in, 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 in time in life we just need to get alongside someone to help us to agree where we are. Kevin and Sharon are, Kevin and Sharon are here. They'll be happy to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus, we're happy to introduce you to him and talk to you more about the life. But let's just respond and worship and just deal on a on a one-to-one level with God about what he's been saying to you but nothing can separate you from the love of him nothing can separate you nothing you've done nothing can separate you and because of that he has a plan and purpose for your life and today is about taking that first step for you for the rest of your life so let's just the band just worship together if you want someone to come and pray for you, come to the front of Kevin and Sharon. I just believe there's someone here today that believes the ship has sailed for them. They maybe, maybe you miss something and, and you live in that regret of not doing something you should, felt you should do. And then you believe that God's never gonna, it's never gonna come around again. That's a lie. It's a lie over your life. All you need to do is just repent of the thing that you got wrong and believe that He loves you and He wants to use you. Nothing you can do can undo what He did for you. Don't get confused between what Jesus did and how we work that out. 
because nothing we could do could justify us. So therefore, getting things wrong isn't going to change. It's not about what we get right or wrong. It's about how we're obedient to Him. So there may be another. There may be a, the challenge may be coming around, and you think, "Well, fast it for." But actually, just just open your heart and say, "Lord, what do you help me in this situation? Help me. I need you in this situation." Maybe it's I don't know about you, but Christmas comes up and family comes, and I, on one level, it's great to see them, but on another one, I think, "Oh, Lord, please let me keep my mouth shut. I don't want conflict." I just pray, Lord. Maybe, maybe we've got things wrong before. But actually, this is a this is a new year. It's a new day. That this year, maybe for you with your family, God's love is just going to be revealed to them in such a new way. But nothing of the past can separate you from what God's to the future. If you believe it's true that God God will not use you again, that will be your reality. But today is an opportunity. Just Jesus' blood wipes the slate clean to step forward in everything again nothing from the past can stop you from having what God has for the future because that's the plan he made for you thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you for more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts please visit www.kingdomfaith.com